0: Well, cinema, you're gonna get. Hang on, this is kind of epic. I think we're gonna need some trumpets to build this up. Okay, Cinema Yugen, my very special guest today. Legend tells of a legendary actor whose credits list is the stuff of legend. You might have seen him in such films as The Philadelphia Experiment, Eddie and the Cruises, Streets of Fire. He's the one, the only, the legend. Michael Paré. Michael, thank you. Uh, My leading man on a couple of films... Uh, you know, righteous blood and all that, and and the vampire and the vigilante. Thank you very much for giving us your time this afternoon, sir. And I have to say, you look a little bit like Eddie Wilson. You should capitalize on that.
1: <laughs> I heard there's uh, Eddie and the Cruisers uh, tribute band touring uh, Australia this summer. Oh,
0: there is. I, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that, but yeah. Well done. Well done. <laughs> and, um, it's been a long time. A long time between drinks. What what happened to Eddie Wilson, do you know?
1: Well, you know, once he came out, I went back into conflict with the record company, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, uh, part of the reason, well, the main reason he disappeared in the beginning was because they wouldn't let him make the music he wanted and they wanted to dictate. You know, yeah. something with the driving beat that the kids can dance to wasn't exactly an inspiration, to Eddie Wilson.
0: No, nah, no. Nah. No, it was all about the uh, if if he couldn't uh, if he couldn't put his heart and soul into it, it wasn't worth doing, right? Right, right. Yes, it's a real. Um, I, I'm just I've been watching you uh, in movies for so many years. So if I'm a little bit awestruck, forgive me.
1: Um, yeah, well, you know, I came to Hollywood in I got started working on television in 1980. Mm. So you got to figure it's almost 44 years. The greatest American hero exactly yeah
0: that was a great show I used to watch it uh, I watch it a lot but oddly enough um, talking about Eddie and the cruises just briefly I've watched I probably watched two more than the the original um, and I guess what I always liked was the fact he had kind of this Clark Kent sort of moment where he had the little mustache and then of course it comes to the scene where he reveals himself or his memory you know everything sort of comes back, and he shaves the little moustache off, and he comes out of the the mist on the beach, and the scene where you're there with Sal, and so it's just like, Sal, I need you, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. We filmed but- that on a beach by the Stone Pony, which is that famous New Jersey bar where a lot, all the New Jersey sound came out of the Stone Pony.
0: Mm. You must look. Like a lot of people talk about actors that just keep that work as much as you do, and it's it's. It's simply incredible. How do you uh, how do you manage doing all of these movies? I mean, you've got like forty films upcoming. <laughs> if you look at IMDb, it's like it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, IMDb has kind of lost its uh, its credibility that you know oh, anybody yeah. can can write in and say, yeah, I'm making a movie with John Wayne and Marlon Brando, and they'll put it up there.
0: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I mean, uh, that's, I mean, that was a pretty hefty list. I thought, you know, there's not too many men with uh, like with 40 films still yet to come out as opposed to the hundreds that he's already done. But anyway, yeah. So I'm very curious the, the, the little films that I happened to, uh, to write, you ended up, you ended up being in, I was very surprised working with, with Renee one day. And he said uh, we were working on a horror film actually. And he said, well, the horror film has just become, a Western, uh, and it's going to have Michael Paré. And I was like, wow, are you serious? And he's (laughs) like, yeah, yeah, I'm real serious. And so, uh, yeah. Typing away, um, furiously, uh, I I got the gig specifically, uh, because of uh, how fast I can write a script. And, um, as you, as you know, you kind of have to, in this business, uh, Prove yourself uh, a little bit before you uh, are allowed to uh, be given some freedoms as far as creativity is concerned. So I imagined uh, I managed to uh, to do it, and um, and lo and behold, the rest is history. Righteous blood uh, uh, during the pandemic, which uh, when everything stopped, it was pretty incredible that uh, to have anything done, let alone a Michael burrow movie. So can you tell us a little bit what? Um, Making those uh, those little films around that time, when everything was so chaotic, was like.
1: Well, Renee uh, is the first one to tell you that he doesn't believe in. Uh, he will not comply. Mm. <laughs> you know, so this uh, this this um, you know shoot. I, I shot a lot of movies during the pandemic. It, right. it, not everybody uh, took it as serious as others. You know, yeah. you had to test every day. I had to get vaccinated because I was going to Germany to shoot something. Right. right. Uh, so I got the double Pfizer. Right. And, um, you know, if you get tested every day and you wear a mask and all that other stuff, mm. uh, they really couldn't stop you. Maybe right. the studios and the networks, they would have to comply because they were talking about an enormous machine of like 150 people on the set. Right. And that's 150 people who can... Complain and said, "I I have an issue, um, you know," so the smaller productions could keep shooting.
0: So, huh. well, that's good. Yeah, it was good, good yeah. for everyone involved, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't, I don't want to be a part of the insurrection, but it turns out that a lot of the uh, science they were touting was uh, really a minority of scientists would agree with them.
0: I have a question that's been burning a hole in my pocket for a while that I wanted to ask you. I remember watching the documentary with um, Uwe Boll when he uh, he took on the film critics literally in the oh. book. And <laughs> yeah, you, you were there that night. Can you absolutely? Can you that a was, that was a that? fun night.
1: Uwe it was a great. It was a great period, you know, because uh, it was the transitioning from uh, DVD to streaming. Yes. So things were wild because people didn't know what was going to happen. DVD was a major like uh ancillary business for uh movies. Mm. And um you know, Uwe is, was a very educated guy. He has two advanced degrees and he was an amateur boxer. And so uh pretty hard to to tell him to shut up. And he's not the first writer director I've worked with who wanted to beat up the the critics. because it's very easy to be a critic it's very very easy you know um it's easy to throw mud isn't it yeah exactly i mean i I, there was a playwright i worked with who threatened to punch out the uh, critic and um when uva finally challenged them all they all thought oh okay fine we'll come up but then when they got to the ring and they saw uva was serious then they they started getting a little nervous and when he beat up a couple of them I i mean he he punched one, you know. it was there at ringside, you know, and yeah, I watched. Ooh, wasn't clowning around. And he dropped one a couple of times, and the guy was taken away. Uh, you know, big mouth, a weak, weak stomach.
0: Yeah, it was <laughs> Big mouth
1: was- and a weak jaw. You know? <laughs> he's, he's like, yeah. But he was a boxing
0: enthusiast too, wasn't he? Ooh.
1: Yeah, like I say, he was an amateur boxer.
0: Yeah, when yeah.
1: He, all the time he was in college, and maybe a little bit when he was. Uh, in grad school, he was still boxing, you know, and he had a uh, when we shot in Croatia, uh, for Blood Rain two or three, you hmm. know, a bunch of uh, very serious bikers came up to be extras, you know?
0: right? Yeah, I mean,
1: Uva, Uva is a he's a tough guy, he's a bona fide tough guy,
0: all design, Yeah, that was very foolish of them to come into a boxing match and not uh, train in any way for it. I thought,
1: um. They just they were know, going they, to come it's not freedom. like they had a column in the New York Times. These were just internet critics. Right. I mean, sure. but they had a big mouth and they would you 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 know you should rattle a tiger's cage enough. He's gonna fucking buy uh, you.
0: Yes, definitely. No, I just I remember I remember seeing um I, I spoke I spoke with uh, Dr. Boll on a different documentary about him, a more recent one. This was a documentary prior. And uh, I just remember watching and, and uh, the man in his corner, the man in the green, uh, I thought I know that guy in the green uh, tracksuit. Yeah, like- that was
1: my wardrobe. That was my wardrobe for the mo- one of the movies. We shot uh, Blood Rain, the Western. Right, yeah. And okay. we also did Running With Scissors. Right.
0: Uh,
1: I forget what it was released under what title, but yeah, that was my wardrobe. I, I thought I was going to wear a tuxedo and get to announce. And oh, okay. No, 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 no. Let's we get ready go. to rumble yeah exactly exactly the the teutonic titan you know the germanic giant you know the you know awesome. i wanted to say all that cool stuff that would have been he doing. got a he, because he didn't want it to be a spectacle he wanted it to be a legitimate fight he got a real announcer in there right, and a right. real referee because if i was there who knows what would happen <laughs> just i would have tripped I mean, one of them <laughs>
0: don't worry about the bell <laughs> wait until he's a bloody stain on the mat and then we'll drag him out. Let the paramedics sort him out. eh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of them was taken to the hospital in an ambulance.
0: Yeah. I did. I did see in the documentary, there's a bloke having a bit of a, having a bit of a vomit out on the, the footpath. Like he wanders outside and, and leans over in the gutter and yeah. Yeah. Brings back his breakfast. But, uh, it's, um, it's often intriguing to me. The, uh, you, you do a lot of different kinds of films and have done in your career. I'm very interested. What kind of movies do you enjoy when you watch movies? Because often it's the case, like, sometimes it's different. Sometimes people think because he does a lot of action movies, because he does a lot of uh, thrillers. You what- know,
1: I, I saw a great movie recently, Sisu, about Did- the, uh, the Finnish finish. Uh, it's the end of World War II and he finds gold and then uh, the Germans are retreating and mm. they kind of torment him and he finally you know, destroys the entire column. Mm. Uh, that's fun. But last night I was watching a, a movie by a writer named Mark Bocci, and it was called The Prisoner's Daughter and it was with Brian Cox and Kate Beckins- Beckins- Beckinsall. Right, right. Anyway, that was The Daughter and it's about a guy who's you know, been in and out of prison his whole life, and his daughter was a single mom. And he gets out and kind of, you know, rescues her, makes some ends, and then dies. And uh, very dramatic, but also very, uh, you know, very serious stuff. I I watch a, my wife and I watch a sh- movie almost every night. A movie or a, a great television series, we get hooked on. Hmm. So, uh, you know, you got to look at it all and. I'll, I'll say the one common thread is that there's a human experience that's worth observing
0: and and do you do you like movies that make you feel something?
1: yeah, like the prisoner's daughter, you know that breaks your heart when you see a guy who you know um yeah, Brian Cox is a great actor, yeah, of course, um but you know the whole spectrum of human emotions is worthy of you know my study. Mm. Because everybody, uh, you know, they say, you're the star of your own movie, right? right. You're, you're the star of your life. Mm. And in a sense, you know, being in the movie and television business, being an actor, mm. we're giving you uh, an example of how to process the emotions that are elicited in certain situations. Yes. You know, and it's not saying that it's the right way, but it's just, uh, you know, it's... You know, some people, I think a lot of people don't know how to feel anymore because um, they spend too much time suppressing the feeling because they're unfamiliar with it. It's like such unfamiliar ground. Mm. Um, You know, the the human race has changed tremendously since divorce is like the rule. You know, the vast majority of people now are being raised in single-parent homes, so they're emotionally handicapped. Um, and so it, I think the world is, um, I, I I do think that the audience is swinging back towards a more simple, uh, less political and social, you know, uh, it's, it's not a political or social platform. People need to witness, you know, how people process emotions in a healthy way know Shakespeare and all those guys. You know people watch that because it's it's you you see the a healthy way or no. Anyway, I'm getting I'm getting too deep, but I like I like almost everything. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm doing a movie now. I'm going to London. I'm doing a movie called Killer Clown. Okay,
0: Killer Clown. Right,
1: but it's about uh, a young ten year old boy who kills his foster parents and three other people, and he gets sent for uh, the mentally disturbed a hospital for the mentally disturbed and 20 years later mm. there's a resurgence and he has a cult following mm. uh, so I mean it's called Killer Clown but it's like um, you know there's a lot of damaged people because they don't have that basic security of a loving family mm. Mm. That's so you know when I look at it and I'm playing uh, uh, an investigative journalist so okay. my character is trying to figure out what would motivate a 10-year-old child to go on a murderous rampage. Yes. Right? So it's like, what would would that? And it's like, you know, I don't know if you have dogs, but mm-hmm. people get, there's two families. One gets a Labrador, the other gets a Labrador. And one trains him and walks him and feeds him and grooms him. And that's a happy dog and is, is going to, you know, have a wonderful life. And others just kind of let it get older. Yes. But they don't raise it, and it's untrained, and it's a miserable animal. And just imagine how much more complex the human emotions are, mm. you know, because a dog can't wonder why he's there. No. But a child can say, what the hell am I doing here? Nobody cares about me. Nobody thinks about me. Who am I supposed to, I supposed to emulate? Yeah. Uh, it's a very complex uh, thing. Mm.
0: A little kid doesn't whine or wag its tail when it uh- – when well, no, no,
1: I mean, it's, it's more complex that the yeah. child can actually articulate what the yeah. fuck am I here for, where yeah. a dog it just says, I'm here to eat, I'm here to be safe, you know. Just,
0: bark, just barks and says, feed me.
1: <laughs> something like that, yeah.
0: But uh, listen, um, I, I only ever got to talk with uh, with John Calvin briefly, I didn't get to interview him formally. Um, but you worked with uh, with John um, on Village of the Dam. What was the the John Carpenter experience? Uh,
1: well, John writes, produces, yeah. directs. He does the score. He does post. He edits. And so, uh, wow. if there's a helicopter shot, he does that. Yeah. I mean, John is a is a genuine, bona fide filmmaker. You don't make a John a John Carpenter film is not made by committee. No, you know he he doesn't show it to a lot of people and see what they think Mm. and re-edit and and write a scene for a character because, oh, my God, I got Marlon Brando. I'm going to write a scene for him into this movie. You know, John Carpenter makes a movie that he conceives, he writes, and then he makes. And uh, it's exciting because you're really, like, on a winning team. Mm. And it's not a team. I mean, he's like the captain of the ship, and you're on a fucking ship that is going on a great adventure. Mm. Mm.
0: How do you feel about the uh, Martin Scorsese's been very vocal li- lately about the, the state of cinema you've been in the business a long time how do you feel about the not so much the quantity but the quality how's the qual- how do you see the quality of film since you've been in it uh um, it, well it go down or do you think it's it's continuing fluctuating like waves in the ocean so to speak
1: Christopher Nolan is a great filmmaker Mm. You know there are great filmmakers still, mm. uh, but you know people say Iron Man, Superman, all the man movies, and uh, you know when you're spending three hundred million dollars, mm. nobody's going to be handed three hundred million dollars and say go make your movie.
0: Yeah,
1: you know I think The Godfather cost like five million. Mm. Mm. You no, know, and even back in that day, it was a lot of money, but still yeah. it was only five million. Mm. You know. Now close to 200. Yeah. 300, 300. Yeah. Look at this last Indiana Jones was $300 million. Yeah. You know, time. there's going to, nobody wants to be responsible for that $300 million loss. No, you know, no. you'll, you'll take a little bit cause you're on the team. Mm. So, um, you know, um, that's, that's what makes independent filmmaking interesting. I mean, believe me, I'd love to be in a $300 million movie. I would love it. But, you know, with the smaller budgets, these guys don't answer to anybody and they're gambling, you know, but they're at, look, they're at the, you know, the $2 table. Christopher Nolan is at the $50,000 table.
0: Right, right,
1: right. Right. Uh, right? So you can get two bucks from anybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, so.
0: Did you like, have you seen Oppenheimer, obviously? Did you like
1: it? Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. You know, there was a great moment in that. I mean, really great moments in that. I loved it when uh, um, Oppenheimer is talking to the general. Yeah. Um, who was that? Who played the general? Uh, Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon. And Matt Damon says, you mean there's a 5% chance we're going to blow up the planet? And he goes, That's yeah, man. but it's very unlikely. He's, I would still like that there's 0% chance. I mean I like you know, it.
0: It's that it's was a spooky. brilliant moment, man. It's spooky. That was one of my favorite bits because I, I was so intrigued with. Uh, I heard stories that he uh, he had written because I've got the script here that he had written the script in the first person, which I had never seen in certain parts. But uh, that scene you just talked about was yeah one of my one of my favorite. He goes, "What, what do you mean? There's you know what would you what would you prefer?" He goes, "Well, Zero. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't want, don't want absolute any no chance at all. We turn this on and set the uh, the entire. Planet. Well,
1: I'm waiting for them to write this movie about the hydrogen, uh, the the accelerator that the, that that hydrogen thing, high, that thing that they have in Switzerland, the particle accelerator. And mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. think that it might have opened the door to another dimension, and that's why there's this overwhelming paranoia that there's like evil that has taken over the world. The globalists mm. are have crawled out of the uh, time warp. Mm. You know, it's, you no, know, it's, uh, it's another. What is that called? That that something accelerator. It's um, yeah, I, yeah. Not you know what I'm talking about, experience. right? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's uh, another moment where when we turn this on, mm. we could open a dimension into a black hole. Mm. A
0: bit know? like the Philadelphia experiment. huh?
1: Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, there's conspiracy people who say the experiment never ended. I mean, yeah. Opperman, uh, uh, Tesla and um, Einstein and L. Ron Hubbard were all on the eldritch mm. when they were doing that experiment. They didn't go out on the boat, but when they were putting it all together and and testing it and experimenting, you know, you have three of the most brilliant minds and the guy who started a religion yeah <laughs> you know so you know it's uh who knows who knows man
0: is it um did did the uh speaking of the Philadelphia, but did did the uh did the navy end up giving you the the 40 years of back pay
1: um they're still negotiating you know with my uh va representative
0: that's good at least at least there's yeah. still talks hey cuz that's a lot of money to to miss out on
1: yeah, but you see, they, they can't find me located on any base, so they're actually trying to put me in jail for going a war.
0: That's because you shaved him off,
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Hey,
0: <laughs> right, listen, uh, um, one question of what I also wanted to ask you is there any? I, I ask a lot of actors this is there a part that you have always longed to play that you haven't played yet,
1: a character, even? Well. I'll read it. I'll know it when I've read it, okay, yeah, so yeah, you,
0: you, this uh you go like Mr Eastwood you know what what you you know what you like when you see it
1: uh, yeah, because if I knew it, I would write it myself. I've written a right. couple of things, and two yep. of them got made, so uh yeah, and uh you know again, you have I want to be careful not to be politically motivated mm. and I want to make a A political statement or a social observation. I I would like it to be, uh, you know, an action movie. Did you see uh, Hell or High Water? Mm, Yeah, yeah. You see, that was a a movie about very complex stuff in a small Texas town. Right. And Taylor Sheridan just touched something there, you know, and it was like, wow. And it didn't cost anything to make. The only thing that cost was uh, Jeff Bridges. Hmm. so uh you know great stories don't need to be expensive they just need to be great stories
0: yeah i totally agree just as you're a fantastic actor sir and i am very humbled and have been very honored to talk with you this morning it's been an absolute treasure a genuine privilege and so tell me how will people be able to see this i will i will send you a link uh we will we are on uh we're on quite a lot of platforms. We're on iHeartRadio and Spotify and uh, all the good places that uh, podcasting okay. can Um And I will send you a link. We're also on Facebook. And uh, yeah, and as far as IMDb is concerned, even though it um, it is not uh, wholly reliable, you and I have technically written a script together. So that's my story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: And uh, it has been a genuine, it, it was It was a real honour to have uh, you, Mr. Michael Paré, as my first leading man in, in one of my first uh, screenplays ever produced. And it's been wonderful, extremely wonderful to talk with you this afternoon where you are and this morning here, sir. Thank you.
1: Okay, Ken, take care. Uh, I, I really enjoyed making those movies.
0: I really enjoyed seeing you in them, sir. Thank you very, very
1: much,